to the book of Luke chapter 17 as we continue our study in the book of Luke. And again, this morning we're going to be in chapter 17 uh, and then we're going to start with verse 1. And I'm going to read 1 through 10. We covered 1 through uh, 5 last week, but I want to read it again this morning as we get started uh, to just remind us where we were because we're going to pick up right in the middle of the action. I'll read it and then we'll pray over the word this morning as we receive it. Luke chapter 17 and starting in verse 1, it says, One day Jesus said to his disciples, There will always be temptations to sin. But what sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting? It would be better to be thrown into the sea with a millstone hung around your neck than to cause one of these little ones to fall into sin. So watch yourselves. If another believer sins, rebuke that person. Then if there is repentance, forgive. Even if that person wrongs you seven times a day and each time turns again and asks forgiveness, you must forgive. The apostles said to the Lord, show us how to increase our faith. And the Lord answered, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, may you be uprooted and thrown into the sea and it would obey you. When a servant comes in from plowing or taking care of a sheep, does his master say, come in and eat with me? No, he says, prepare my meal, put on your apron and serve me while I eat. Then you can eat later. And does the master thank the servant for doing what he was told to do? Of course not. In the same way, when you obey me, you should say, we are unworthy servants who have simply done our duty. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you that we are able to hold in our hand uh, divine revelation of who you are uh, and what your will is here on this earth. And we pray, God, that you open our eyes today, the wonders of it. Holy Spirit, that you illuminate it for us. I pray that you would take my remarks and translate it to the heart and the mind of every hearer uh, so that they would receive exactly what you have for them today. Encourage us and build us up by your word in Jesus name. Amen. So last week we talked about temptation, temptation to sin. We talked about repentance. We talked about forgiveness. And, and, and the disciples, as Jesus is speaking to them, ha have had all this laid before them by the Savior of the world. He's told them, be careful, watch yourselves. Don't fall into temptation because it's going to be constant and regular, the opportunity for you to be tempted to sin. And he said, and also don't put stumbling blocks in the path of someone else that would cause them to sin. And by the way, if another believer sins against you, forgive them when they repent, rebuke them, say, hey, that wasn't right. And if they repent, if they change the way that they think about that, then you forgive them. And he said, you do that up to seven times a day. And he doesn't, and he doesn't mean that that's the capacity. Like if they hit eight, you're out. It, it was meant to be like the whole day. Seven was the number of completion. Like the whole, if, even if it's constantly the whole day long, if they turn and repent, forgive. And the disciples are hearing all of this and, and, and he gives them the, uh, the, the warning, watch yourselves or, or be careful about these things. And then they respond uh, to Jesus and say, Lord, show us how to increase our faith. Lord, increase our faith. So last week we talked about sin and temptation to do so. And this week we're going to talk about faith, what it is, how it works and what it does in our heart and in our life, or at least as far as we can get into it 
today because faith is the answer, the answer to temptation, the answer to sin in our life, the answer to how we forgive others even when they have sinned against us. Faith is the answer. So we're going to look at the dynamic that's in operation between these two things, between faith and the temptation to sin or sin itself. So why would we sin? When we're tempted to sin, why would we ever do it? It's because at that moment, our heart, our mind, our eyes see it as the better option. Why would we be tempted to sin, especially sin against God? It's because at that moment, we see that as the better option for us. And our heart believes the lie of the temptation that this sin will be what is most helpful for us, most pleasurable, will be the easiest thing for us to do. It'll be the most satisfying thing for us to do. And we believe that whatever it is will be better than him and what he provides, right? Because why else would we do it? Why else would we do it unless we were deceived into thinking that it was going to be better than him. Now, we may not feel like that when, when we're making our decisions, but every time we've entered into sin, we've judged it to be better on some level or to be better for me than he is or what he can do. So let's look at an example. Let's say that someone uh, commits a wrong against you. Let's say it's, a, it's an actual literal crime, that it's a criminal act committed against you or someone that you love and, and you go about the right processes and you report it and, and they get in no trouble at all. Zero trouble do they get into. The whole legal process accomplishes nothing. In that situation, what do you want to do? What looks the best to you in the moment? What do you see as your best option. Maybe becoming just a straight up vigilante, right? Maybe I just become a straight up vigilante. Think about all the action movies. Almost every single one ever made has to do with they didn't realize they had wronged the wrong man. And now he's back for revenge, right? And we love those. We love those when that one character, you, you know, you, you can name all of them. Steven Seagal going way back, you know, Jason Statham. So there's probably some younger guys doing it now too. Liam Neeson, he's old too, right? But we, we, we love to see that, you know, some, somebody's committed a wrong against him. Remember they kidnapped his daughter in the one movie, Liam Neeson, they kidnapped his daughter and he got him on the phone. He said, let me tell you something. I'm going to find you. I have a very particular set of skills and I'm coming for it, right? And we're just like, go get them, Right? Because there's something on the inside of us that, that likes that, that wants that, and it's a drive for justice, justice to be done in the earth. The Bible says, you know, that we pray for justice to roll on like a river in God's kingdom. And we see that, we have that need and want for justice, and we see the absence of it, and we want to stand up and do something about it. We want to go lone wolf and seek vengeance on all who has wronged us or our family, just like Liam Neeson would and did, I think like four times. I think they made that movie like four times. And I don't know why they didn't figure out we need to stop messing with this guy's family, but they never did. It's like, let's just leave this guy alone. If we're gonna mess with one person, let, us, let it not be him. 
But, but see, we're, we're born with that draw in our heart to identify the enemy and defeat the enemy, right? We find that in there and we've all felt it. We've even imagined it through like, how would I do this? Some of y'all might not have. Some of us have. And most of us have, I think. But as a Christian, we learn another way. We learn a better way. Romans 12, 9 says, never take revenge. It says, brothers, don't avenge yourselves. Leave that to the righteous anger of God, because God says in the scripture that vengeance is mine. It says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And he says, instead, instead of what? Instead of taking revenge, if your enemy is hungry, feed them. Instead of taking revenge, if your enemy is thirsty, give them something to drink. Now, we don't necessarily find that drive in our heart, do we? When that person wrongs us, does wrong to us and gets away with it, then we go, you know what? I'm, I'm going to get a casserole together. <laughs> I'm going to get them a casserole, get them, you know, a case of Dr. Pepper, and I'm going to carry it over to their house. Right? Our heart doesn't do that. Gen not, not right off. Why? But because our... Our bend is to sin because we look at that and we go, I don't feel like that's the best option, God. I feel like you really didn't see what they did to me. I feel like you might have missed it. Like, let me tell you about it again, because they need the Liam Neeson. Right. That's what our heart says. So our heart sees that often as the better option. God's like, no, 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 no. That's not the way that it works in the kingdom. That's not best. Actually, it's going to hurt you. This is best. What what forgiveness is best. So the question is, when we're faced with that, which one do we see as the best? When we're faced with what God says and what our carnal flesh wants to do, which one do we see as best? And not the one that we know we're supposed to see as the best. Because what do we usually say? I know, I know, I'm supposed to forgive, but you don't understand. Right? It's like we know which one should be the better but we still are drawn towards the temptation to do it our way. And, and, and God knew that we would deal with that. That's why we have passages like this in the scripture. So for the Christian, what do we see? What do we see as best? See, the, the unbeliever doesn't see two options. They only have one. It's the sinful option every time. That's the only thing we can do. When we're sinners, when we're far from God, that's the only thing we can do is like, well, I've seen them do the right thing before. Even if you see them doing the right thing, it's the wrong reason in their heart. We, we can't do the right thing. They only have one option. But for, for a believer, we have two options in front of us all the time. One from God and one of the flesh, one of righteousness and one that's a temptation to sin. And the question is, which one do we see as better? Which one do we see as better? And what he's telling us is that to see his way as the better way, the best way, and to see the other way for what it is, we have to have faith. We're going to have to have faith. So what is faith? What is it? It's obviously a big time Christian word. What is it? Scripture defines it for us in Hebrews 11, chapter 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Your translation may say faith is the reality of what is hoped for and the proof of what is not seen. 
It goes on in verse 3 of chapter 11 to say it's by faith that we understand that God created the universe. Now, I really want, it's by faith that we understand. So faith can bring us understanding of what, that God created the universe and all things that are seen came from the unseen. So the first thing that faith does is give us an understanding about God. Faith is a conviction. It's a firm belief that God exists. We have to have that first, that yes, He is there. He is the creator of all. He is the ruler of all. And we have in faith, not only the ability to see that, to sense that, to know that on some level, but scripture says we have the ability to understand it. And I don't have time to go all the way through chapter 11, but it's a great expositional faith. It talks about how by faith Abel did this, by faith Enoch did this. And then it gets to verse six and it says without faith. It is impossible to please God. Now, when Scripture tells us what pleases God, we should pay attention. When Scripture tells us what is necessary to please God, we should pay attention because what do we want? This is my desire to honor you, to please you. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And then it tells us why. It says anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. And that he rewards those that diligently seek him. All those that come to him must believe that he exists. It says without faith, it's impossible to please him because when you come to him, you must believe what's the belief going to require faith and operation in you. That you understand that he's there, that he's almighty, that he's the creator of heaven and earth. And it goes on to list more examples of person after person in the Old Testament who had a choice to live by faith or to live on their own. To do what God said, even if it didn't make sense. You know, Noah building the ark when it had never rained before, even if it didn't make sense to obey God or to walk in the flesh. And each one, it mentions that they held to faith, that conviction, deep conviction that God is there, that he is almighty, that he's the ruler of all. And it's in him alone that I'll have joy and peace. And I know that he created me and that he's there for me. And he has a, he has a command for me to follow and that following those commands, even when it seems impossible, and they were able to do it. Faith is the ability to see the way that God sees. Faith sees the way that God sees, not from a position of power, not, not from God's seat of power, but from God's perspective. How does God see himself? Number one, faith sees God as God sees himself. And I, I, as I was studying, I found a description that a, an old theologian wrote about God back in, I think it was like in the 1700s. A man named Adam Clark said, God is, and I just wanted to read this because it's just so beautiful and, and our mind rarely goes here anymore. But says, God is the eternal, independent, and self-existent being, the being whose purposes and actions spring from himself without foreign motive or influence. 
He who is absolute in dominion, the most pure, the most simple, the most spiritual of all essences, infinitely perfect and eternally self-sufficient, needing nothing that he has made, Illimitable in his immensity, inconceivable in his mode of existence, and indescribable in his essence. Known fully only by himself because an infinite mind can only be fully comprehended by itself. In a word, a being who from his infinite wisdom cannot err or be deceived and from his infinite goodness can do nothing but what is eternally just and right and kind. Amen. How does God see himself? Faith gives us the ability to see him that same way. Sin in my heart and in my mind sees me as my only hope. Right. Going back to the Liam Neeson example, nobody else is going to do this. I can trust nobody else with this. I have to do it. Right. My only hope of validation, satisfaction, revenge, power, whatever. My only hope in my sinful heart and mind is that I scheme and, and, and build with my own wit, the wit of my own mind and the strength of my own arm. That's the only hope that I have. And we try that for a while. Don't we? We all tried it before we came to Christ. We all went that direction and we found that we could never build up enough. We could never do enough to be satisfied. Even if we get to the point where, yeah, I, I've heard about him. Yeah, but this I'll have to do this. This is my better option. And instead, faith sees into the kingdom of heaven. Faith sees. Faith sees God as he sees himself. He see, faith sees me as God sees me. Right? A sinner in need of grace. Faith sees him as my greatest end. The greatest end in all of life is God himself. And sin sees God as just a means to my own end, right? Well, I kind of like the stuff I'm hearing about him. I kind of, you know, he says he's got these rules and I like rules. I like to know how things work. So I'm going to do that, but I want to do it to get here. If the end is anything else but him, we're using him as a means to our own end. But faith sees him as he is our greatest end. Faith sees Christ as my hope of salvation, Saved by grace through faith. Faith sees my union with Christ as eternal, firm, steadfast, and faithful. Faith gives us the ability to see these things. And seeing these things grounds our heart in a reality that is unshakable. And that's why the disciples said, Lord, increase our faith. That's why our prayer is also, Lord, increase our faith. Because faith in the heart of those that are born again can see the kingdom, can see the kingdom of heaven that Jesus came to bring. So again, why would we sin? Why would we give into temptation to sin? Because we've believed the lie that it'll be better than the kingdom. Because we haven't seen the kingdom clearly. 
Why would we sin? We're not believing that he's there. We're not believing that he's almighty. We're not believing that he's good. We're not believing that he has our best in mind and that we know better. That's why we would. So we need faith to be able to see the truth. Where does faith come from? It sounds like a good thing. Where can I get it? How does it work? The disciples knew the answer to that. And they asked the Lord himself, increase our faith. Faith comes from God. Romans chapter uh, 12 and verse 3 says, God's dealt to each one of us the measure of faith. He's given us a measure of faith. He's given it to us. It's from him, not even from us. He's given it to us as like a little part we didn't renew we had waiting to be activated. And then Jesus tells the disciples there in Luke 17 that the amount of faith isn't the point. They said, increase our faith. And he said, we don't have to increase your faith. We just have to activate your faith. Because if you have faith, even as small as a grain of mustard seed, which isn't the smallest seed in the world, right? But it is proverbially what, what we use. I think they said the orchid seed may actually be the smallest seed in the world. But they didn't know about that. So he used something that they knew about when he was talking to him. He said, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this tree, probably just got a tree. There's probably standing beside it, underneath it maybe for the shade. You could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and be thrown into the sea. Now, is Jesus telling us how to be really awesome lumberjacks? Probably not, right? Does he expect them to go about in the countryside talking to trees? Probably not. Are we going to have superpowers? We can just tell the tree, hey, this tree's in the way. Move, tree! Probably not. What's the context here? What's he talking about? How to resist temptation. How to keep from sinning in your heart and abounding out into your actions and how to forgive those who have sinned against you. They said, Lord, increase our faith. And he's telling them, if you have faith, like a grain of mustard seed, you can say to this tree and it'll uproot from the ground and be cast into the sea. So first of all, he's comparing if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to a tree. So you see the contrast there between the sizes and you see that it doesn't matter. The kingdom takes what seems to be less and accomplishes the impossible. You see that over and over. That's a principle of the kingdom that he'll take what seems to be not just less but the least and accomplish something with it that's impossible. He said, you can tell this tree to be uprooted and planted into the sea. Now, just imagine to their mind what it would have sounded like to think of a tree being uprooted. Like we see it because we've got heavy equipment now, right? We, we can get a, a D9 dozer and we can uproot a tree. We can get an excavator and Hadley would love it. And we can uproot a tree, but to them, a tree uprooted would have been near impossible, right? Maybe a small one they could pull up with a couple oxen, maybe. I don't know. 
but it would have seemed like such a big deal. Like you're saying that faith can do something that's impossible. Faith has more power than we can understand and more power than what seems logical. And then again, remember the context that he's using it in. Avoid the stumbling blocks and the temptation to sin that are sure to come. Don't be a temptation in the life of somebody else. Don't put stumbling blocks down in front of other people and forgive those who have sinned against you. Faith sees the way that God sees. And faith is the only thing powerful enough to believe in God's grace. It's the only thing that can believe in God's grace. that can understand God's grace in our life. So the question for us is then, are we, are we looking with eyes of faith? Or are we still looking at things like we were never given faith at all? And what he's telling us is it doesn't matter how we've lived up to this point. It doesn't matter what we've done in the past. It doesn't matter how rooted sin and anger and and fear and doubt and shame and guilt are in our hearts. It doesn't matter how deep the roots go because faith can tell it to get out and be cast into the sea. That imagery there, again, it's not like putting a tree in the lake so that the brim will get underneath it, right? This is get it far away from here, uprooted from here and cast it far away. See, we can be completely wrapped up in it, completely imprisoned by it, unable to do anything else, but faith sees into the kingdom and sees that he is well able to do what he says that he can do. Faith can uproot it and cast it away into the sea. That's the power of a right view of God. That's what brings us to salvation and then from there leads us into right relationship with him. So again, the question is, what do we see when we're faced with that choice in life, faith or sin? Which one do we see as better? Because sin is like a mirage. From far off, it looks like it's going to be a good idea, right? It looks like, oh man, this is going to be real good. Yeah, there's just water right over there. We're going to be okay. This is going to work out. And the closer you get, the worse it looks. And faith is the opposite of that. From far away, it can look really small. It can be really hard to see. A relationship with him can be difficult to see from far back. When we're in our sin, it can can seem so far off, but the closer we get, the better it looks. Amen. Where does faith come from? It comes from him. Scripture says that it comes from hearing the word of God. When the truth comes, it activates that measure of faith that he's put on the inside of us. And we start seeing those flashes of the kingdom, the ability to see into something that we never saw before. And it grows as we rejoice in it and pursue it more. It grows on the inside of us. The ability to see grows more. It's like, why would I do this when I already have this? Why why would I be tempted to do this when I already have this? Especially when having this also tells me that the end of this is death. Faith comes by hearing and then it grows in us. 
as we rejoice over it and we pursue him more and where those roots of sin and fear and doubt and unbelief used to be faith roots and grounds us into the foundation of Jesus Christ. It grows. Amen. I want to finish uh, with verse seven through 10, which is a little bit of a weird one. Andrew, if you want to go ahead and come, we'll pray here in a moment and be ready to go. So in, in, in verse 7, Jesus is still talking. He told him, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you'd say to the tree, be uprooted and be thrown into the sea and it would obey you. And then he says, when a servant comes in from plowing or taking care of the sheep, does his master say, come in and eat with me? No, he says, prepare my meal, put on your apron and serve me while I eat. Then you can eat later. And does the master thank the servant for doing what he was told to do? Of course not. In the same way, when you obey me, you should say, we are unworthy servants who have simply done our duty. What? What is this talking about? And, and, and here's what I see in it. As we're working, we're, we're his servants. He's given us this little parable of servants in the household. As we're working, as, as, as we're walking these things out in our life, to always remember where we started from. Because when God starts working in us, it, it starts to get better, right? Life begins to get better when we allow him to start working in us and we obey what he said and we find the better, don't we? We find the better. And, and what he's saying is when that's happening, be sure you don't become arrogant in what you're doing. Be sure you don't think, hey, I finally figured this out. I'm making better decisions. Y'all should just make good decisions. Y'all should be like me, right? Because you didn't have the ability to even make good decisions without the faith that he put on the inside of us. We don't. And so the master will never thank us for obeying. We always thank the master, right? The master will never thank us for obeying we will eternally be thankful and grateful to him. Because even if we have obeyed, we've not perfectly obeyed. We have not even close to perfectly obeyed. And he has. And as we're walking this out, things are going to get better and we're going to be serving him. And he said, the feast is coming. Your chance to eat is coming. You're going to eat later. For now, just keep pursuing the kingdom. What do we need more than anything? Lord, increase our faith. Lord, increase our faith. We may be far from him and need that saving faith in the grace and mercy of Christ Jesus that takes us out of darkness and into light. Faith that comes by hearing. I didn't realize that's what was wrong with me. And I didn't realize that there was an answer for it. Saving faith sees that and then we have faith in our life from day to day where we're walking out what's happening to us we're wrestling away from the flesh and the way we used to do things the way we still want to do things sometimes so that we see the better and we're able to resist temptation because we've been given something that's greater life in the kingdom isn't don't do this Life in the kingdom is, here's something so much better than this. 
That is life in the kingdom for us. And as we grow, we always remember that it's by grace that we've been saved through faith, not of what we could do, not by obeying, not by doing things right, because that was their perception. They thought if I just obey enough, then I'll be right. And the ones who were the best at it had the worst attitudes because that's not the way that it works. They had faith in what they had done. Going back to the servant example, thinking, well, when the master gets here, he'll be like, good job. All right. I'm glad you're on the team. It's an understanding of his grace that I got here. I didn't deserve to be here any more than anybody else. And I'm only here because of the grace of Christ Jesus in my life. Faith will grow in us a humility because how else can you feel when you start to see God but humble, right? I don't deserve to be here. There's a humility there and a gratefulness for His graciousness, for who He is, what He does, and how gracious He's been to us. So we pray along with the disciples, Lord, increase our faith. There's going to be times this week, there's going to be times maybe today that you're tempted to do something the old way because you've lost sight of the better. We say, Lord, increase my faith. Lord, increase my faith. I'm going to spend time with you. I want to, I want, I want to see you more clearly. Lord, increase my faith. And we have to pursue Him, right? There's action on our part because how can we expect to see Him more clear to, or, or for faith to grow when we're looking at other stuff, right? So we pursue Him and we see that increase in our faith. We don't get too busy looking at other things, chasing other things, that we forget the best thing that ever happened to us. Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand up with me and we'll pray as we get ready to go. Lord, increase our faith. This is why we can preach the gospel over and over and over and over and it never gets old in the ears of the saints. Because we see the lost being saved, we see the light coming on and then we continue to have it grow in us. Every day, every week, every month, every year, I understand more about what he's done on the inside of me than I understood before and it helps me see more clearly until I get to the end and I see him face to face. Amen. Let's pray. Father, increase our faith. Thank you so much for the measure of faith that you've given to each one of us. Forgive us for when we chose something lesser than you, thinking it would be better for us than you. Increase our faith so that we can see you as you are, high and lifted up. That we can understand that you are God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. That the things that we see came out of the unseen. And that preceding unseen we chase with all that's on the inside of us. We want to know you more. We want you to be lifted up in our heart and in our life. And if you've been struggling with those old roots on the inside of you, sin, fear, doubt, unbelief, shame, guilt, understand, faith is there to uproot that and set you free. 
And all you have to say is, Lord, increase my faith and continue your pursuit of Him. Lord, in our daily life, we want to choose you because you're better. Increase our faith so that we can see clearly. We want to be pleasing to you. We believe that you are God and that you are good because you reward those that diligently seek you. Thank you for building up our faith today. Thank you that you help us as we continue to grow. God bless your people as we leave today that we'll leave in peace and unity with one another. God, keep us safe. Keep us safe. I thank you, Lord, that you bring us safely back together to this place so that we gather under the banner of your name and celebrate your goodness together. Lord, for those that aren't able to be here with us this morning, whether whether they're working or at home or or with family, weakness in their body, we, we thank you for them. And we know that you're not far from them in these moments. Give them what they need today. Give us today our daily bread. I thank you that you know no distance. And I thank you that as we walk through this week, we'll do so encouraged and built up by following you, our great God and King. Lord, I thank you that you'll help us to see with clear eyes. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.